Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. friends, welcome to another episode of the Living Open Podcast. In this episode, I'm just going to be sharing some things that I learned and reflected on in 2021. It is going to be rambly and tangential and not that long. If that's not your thing, feel free to uh, not listen to this one. There's not going to be a perfectly tied up bow on 2021 and the things that I learned, just a collection of um, things that I connected with and learned and reflected on and mused on and engaged with this past year. So with that being said, let's get into it. I feel like I learned a lot about safety this past year, which was really interesting. I thought I knew something about safety, um, but I had much, much more to learn. Um, I think I learned that when we choose safety, when I have chosen safety, I'll just make it about me, that all of these things are about me. If that was not clear, these learnings may or may not be broadly applicable. Take what you want um, and don't take what doesn't feel good. But I learned that when I choose safety, there are there's an impact, right? The word consequences makes it sound like the impact is always negative, and that's not what I mean, but there are consequences. And I've found that when I have chosen safety, the thing that feels the most safe, the most easy, the most like it will require nothing for me, that can be exactly what I need for a time. I can be exactly what I need when I am doing deep trauma healing, when I've just gone through something huge. That can be exactly what I need when I just need a soft place to land that is not going to challenge me and that is going to be really safe. But I can't make that trade long term and choose safety always because, on the other hand, all the things that I actually want out of life require some inherent degree of unsafety. There's some risk. There's some uncertainty. There's vulnerability. There's not knowing. And that is gorgeous. So I think I've learned to try and find some fluidity between safety and reaching into discomfort and what's the difference between safety that is absolute and that is limiting and keeping me from being as alive as I want to be versus safety that is exactly what I need and is nourishing and is a springboard for me to hold that safety and move into all of the things that I really desire and feel alive through. I learned at a really deep level how my body can read something as unsafe but it's actually exactly where I need to go and you know that feels like a huge trauma um, related experience (laughs) Um, and I think it's been really important for me this past year especially and also working on that for years before to build those muscles to understand and discern what is actually unsafe is going to harm me, is going to hurt me, and what's just, what is unsafe because it's like the fool, it's unknown, it's uncertain, 
it's uncertain, I don't know where things are going to go, and that feels unsafe, and is unsafe in a sense, but it's the right kind of unsafe, right? It's the direction I want to orient into. It's the big yes, unsafe. Um, and those are different things, and learning, I'm still learning this, <laughs> but learning the difference has felt really helpful, and getting better at discerning that difference, so I know where I actually want to go. Along with that, I shared this quote so many times in the podcast, I'm sorry if you hate hearing it, <laughs> but I think one of the biggest quotes that resonated with me this year, last year, as a learning is that we're only as alive as we are open to being annihilated. And I shared this so much because it has just landed in my body as deeply, deeply true. And that feels like it goes along with that discussion and those learnings around safety and the fool and how we choose safety and what we need. Um, and I think like in the moments where I do open myself to being annihilated, where I'm the most vulnerable, the most soft, those are the moments where I also feel the most alive and in an episode with Sanya Estelle that I just recorded that will come out in the next month or two, she talks about how when we are choosing what we want to move into, it's about choosing how we want to feel and which version of ourselves we want to be. And the version of myself I think I most love is the one that is soft and is vulnerable and is open. And that's how I want to feel. I'm choosing that I want to feel alive and open and soft. And you don't have to. No one has to. I, but I'm choosing that because that feels good for me. And so in that sense, I'm opening to being annihilated all the time. So that's life. <laughs> Something to sit with. I think that um, has just felt deeply resonant. Um, something else that I really learned in the past year is about how there aren't really right and wrong things to do outside of the question of like, you know, are we acting on integrity with our values? Are we harming other people? Like not talking about those things, but when we're trying to like make decisions for our lives, discern between desires, choose directions to go, those kinds of things that there aren't really right and wrong things to do. And it's actually just a question of like, what do I want? What do I actually want? And which life do I want to create? And which version of myself do I want to be? That really cracked open for me when I was trying to figure out for years, if I'm being honest, if I was in the right relationship or not, right in quotes for me. <laughs> um, I was asking myself for a really long time what's right and what's wrong. I felt like there was an answer that I needed to unlock of whether we should be together forever or we should break up. And those are the only two options. And once I stopped orienting away from that question and started orienting towards the idea that any of it could be right, that I could have a fine life either way, that I could stay with this person and feel the way that I feel now and maybe feel that way forever and do I want to accept that? Like, is that something I want? Or I could leave this person and feel a different way and live a different kind of life and embody a different version of myself, a different part of myself. And once I oriented towards the question of like, it's actually all fine, 
what do I want? There isn't a right or wrong. It's just what do I want? Um, it became really easy and really clear. It was really, really clear to see that I should end that relationship um, because the way I want to feel, right, is most my authentic self, most in touch with that self, most embodying that self. Um, and I knew that leaving that person was something I had to do in order to be that self and feel that way. I feel like I'm not explaining that in the most articulate way, but that really cracked something open for me <laughs> this year. And along with that, I also learned like that I need to take responsibility for my own joy and for my own happiness and for creating um, my life the way I want it to be. And I don't mean that in the sense that like you are responsible for everything in your life and like everything you have is because of something you did not like that at all in a weird like Republican capitalist way. But just the sense that like I was really miserable and I didn't even realize it for years because I was resisting dying, I was resisting parts of myself, um, I was resisting desire and I didn't even understand I was doing that. And I was thinking that something would change it and I was avoiding hard decisions that I had to make um, in order to make that happen and no one was going to make those decisions for me and I feel like I had to have a little Saturn talking to with myself and a little Saturnian energy moving through my altar and my life to say like no it's you it's you you have to choose you have to take responsibility for that you have to decide and you get to decide either way and not deciding is also a decision. <laughs> um, but either way, it's yours. And if you're miserable, talking to myself, um, then like you kind of already know what you need to do to not be miserable. So if that's not how you want to feel, then it's up to you. And I think that felt so helpful because for a few years, I was really leaning into that like extreme safety feeling that I talked about. I'm like, should I call it toxic safety? <laughs> Just like, this is as safe as possible. Um, and that's what I needed while I was doing some really deep and big like trauma healing. And I'm still doing that deep and big trauma healing. Um, but I really needed that at that time. And I think um, I learned through that to talk to myself and treat myself in really soft and kind and gentle ways and that was lovely and I love that and one of the things that wasn't so helpful that I did through that was you know telling myself all the time like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do it's okay like you you can just rest in this safety and that is so lovely that was so lovely for me for a time but I actually needed to be a little bit more fierce with myself. Luna Dietrich, if you listen to that episode, they talk about fierce self-love. I needed a little bit less of the soft self-love and a little more of the fierce self-love in myself to say, like, sometimes you do have to do stuff you don't want to do in order to get what you want. <laughs> sometimes you have to hurt. Sometimes you have to be in liminal space of not knowing. Sometimes you have to grieve. Sometimes you have to break someone's heart. Sometimes you have to hurt someone hurt yourself sometimes you have to go through that in order to get what you want um to be your most true self to be who you actually are and that's a process and a journey that is not without pain and I needed to stand up to myself in a way <laughs> and tell myself that 
Hmm. Another big learning of 2021 was how to hold myself through big, big feelings. So much of my work for years has been centered around feeling your feelings and how important that is and how much that matters. So that's not new, but I thought I knew how to hold myself through big feelings and I had a lot more learnings to do around that. Really learning in deep ways that my fear of my feelings, of certain feelings, was actually bigger than the feeling itself. I really had to learn in a somatic and embodied way that these feelings wouldn't kill me and I don't know that I ever experienced pain in the way that I experienced it this year with my family and it was scary and it was disorienting and it like dislodged something in me and it dislodged like deep suffering inside myself and learning how to hold myself through those big feelings is a continual learning and a continual process but I really developed a lot more coping skills around that and also around talking to the traumatized parts of myself. I mentioned on the podcast before Joan, <laughs> a traumatized part of myself, a trauma response, a part of myself that has internalized my dad's voice, a part of myself that wants to protect me at all costs, a part of myself that wants to avoid and shut down and withdraw and be really, 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 really safe, always, 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 and reads anything other than that as a complete lack of safety and like the world is exploding and we're gonna die. I have really learned how to hear her voice and what she has to say and connect with her and how she feels in my body and that doesn't mean that she never tricks me or trips me up or that she's silent. She is not silent, not at all. <laughs> and sometimes I still get confused and I don't understand when Joan is coming through. Um, but I have been building that skill over the last year of learning her voice and how to talk to her and how she shows up in my body and like Elizabeth Gilbert says in her book Big Magic about fear not letting Joan drive the car but letting her be in the back seat sometimes she's in the passenger seat sometimes she's like grabbing at the wheel but <laughs> we're not letting her be in the driver's seat and that's gotten easier to learn how to do and I hope it will continue to get easier stay tuned for our uh, 2022 <laughs> adventures and healing I also learned grief this year um, in a big way. I would not have chosen that, but I learned to grieve and I am still learning how to be with grief. And I think, I think that something I really connected with as the aliveness through grieving. I wrote a poem about how the leaves never looked so orange and so vibrant as they did this fall when my dad isn't speaking to me and it feels really true. I feel like something about grief has sharpened my eyes, my connection to beauty, my connection to expansive magic too. And I have met grief before. I've never met grief in regards to a parent. Um, 
well, that's not exactly true, but in this way, in regards to a parent. And um, it has really touched the deepest parts of me and taught me a lot about what it means to be alive and about family and about beauty and about coping and dreaming and finding that balance, that place between acceptance and hoping things will change and it's been very intense but I've learned that ritual can hold my grief my partner can hold my grief, my friends can hold my grief nature, the earth can hold my grief, my poems can hold my grief, my journal can hold my grief there is so much that can hold my grief my body, my yoga mat can hold my grief my hands, my art, and I needed, needed all of that, needed that support, needed that connection, needed that care, um, to be able to move through it, and move through it implies that I'm through it, or that there's somewhere else to go, and that's not true, so I think what I'd actually like to say is it's allowed me to grow around my grief, because it's here, it's still here. I also learned in 2021 how important beauty is to me. I feel like I've really come into my Libra-ness <laughs> in 2021. Um, I mentioned probably on the podcast I bought this sweatshirt that says your interest in beauty is not trivial and I'm like this is like my motto in this moment. Like I, <laughs> I believe it. I feel like I really have been able to root into the practice of noticing and experiencing and presencing myself with beauty as acceptance and survival and connection to being alive and connection to my heart and that feels really, it feels really powerful for me and also for my inner child to be able to be on a walk and let it be slow and really stop and notice the leaves and point out the beautiful flowers and literally smell them and talk about them and look at the clouds and not have this urgency of like there's somewhere more important to be and to really accept that actually this noticing beauty it, this is where I want to be like this is actually the thing that I want and you know it's not the only thing like there's many but I think I have have shame around desire for beauty and connection to that and um yeah i think i <laughs> i am intending to be done with that and honoring beauty as something that's important and that sustained uh, sustains us sustains me and is something worthy of being cultivated and experienced and witnessed with my full full heart and on the topic of aliveness, something that really clicked for me this year as well is that when I resist what I need to do, when I resist who I actually am, I'm not even in the arena. As Brene Brown talks about like being in the arena, not I don't think I actually started living and came alive until 2021. I taught myself in that year that I can do and be what I need to do to be who I am and can be who I am and that I can be in the arena and that I can get messy and bloody and 
that I can die continually, one of my other favorite things that I read last year from Pema Chodron about the practice of dying continually and when I have resisted that process of dying it has just brought so much suffering so much suffering through resistance, through clinging, through clawing and when I've let go I've actually opened myself up to who I actually am some of you probably know that much of my work these days is focused around supporting folks who come from dogmatic religious backgrounds who have been impacted by the religion of their childhood or a religion that they have left and no longer practice and I feel particularly passionate about supporting those folks as I have that background as well and I really realized <laughs> how I learned not to be myself through Christianity and ever since then I've been trying to learn how to be myself um, but I did some writing on Instagram this year about kind of like self-trust versus dogma and seeing where there's such crossover and parallels um, in how spirituality can mimic dogmatic religion that felt super clear this year with all of the like spiritual QAnoning happening all over the place and spiritual sexual shaming and the binary patriarchal dialogue around masculine and feminine energy and spiritual spaces, all of those kinds of things I think I've really seen in really more clear ways in 2021 how true that is and how important it is that it that we do deep hierophant work around strengthening self-trust and deconstructing ingrained patterns around looking for answers outside of ourselves um, where we've internalized roles from harmful power dynamics so that we don't just repeat what we learned in dogmatic religion of like okay we're casting aside this religious system to find a new belief system that we can swallow wholesale and follow that new programming I think it's always been deeply important to me to find authentic to me spirituality after being told what to believe and do and think my whole life. Um, and I think what I'm really trying to say is I've just felt exhausted by <laughs> spiritual spaces in 2021 and um, not all of them, not all of them. And I'm not saying that this happens in all spiritual spaces, um, but I have been exhausted by that dynamic in 2021 and just feel feel so clear how important it is to do that deprogramming work and that self-trust work and to find um, fulfilling, intuitive ways to engage with spirituality that are rooted in our own autonomy and that are rooted in, in a belief that there doesn't have to be one truth, one way, one right answer but that there can be intersecting and woven together magical webs of expansive magic that make up the universe and spirituality and life. I think a few other things I want to share are about holding nuance in all things. I really... I <laughs> I think it's because of my background in evangelical Christianity that I'm so obsessed with holding nuance in all things 
and I'm, I'm not sorry for that. I think that it's just a more honest way of seeing the world and it's more true. It's more complicated and it takes longer to process and it's less easy, I think, um, but it feels much more true to me. So in 2021, I doubled down <laughs> on holding nuance in things and I also learned in a more deeply and embodied way that I'll never regret tending to curiosity and to creativity and that love is everything to me. I haven't wanted to talk that much about love and being in love and my experiences of love in 2021 on the podcast really and I think maybe because I'm like it's so sappy like people don't want to hear that and you probably don't. I don't know. I'm not going to get that into it now but I think I'm just going to say like I really believe that in the in a really um in a somatic way now. I think I thought it, but now I really feel it and feel that love is everything to me and it's the most important thing that matters, like community and love and care and all of those things being so much more important than work and then making money and of course, like, we still need to make money and capitalism and all of that, but just, like, orienting towards priority and, like, what really matters. I think it's so funny. I never understood until last year why people, like, work boring corporate jobs to, like, provide for their family and never, like, try and do something different. And last year I was like, oh, of course, like, that totally makes sense why people do that. Um, I'm like, I would do that for my love. I would absolutely do that. I feel lucky that I don't have to, but it like finally clicked for me like, oh, people do those things because of love. <laughs> and I think I, yeah, I had just never experienced being in love before. Um, and that really didn't make any sense. I also didn't understand why anyone would ever get married. <laughs> And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that checks out now. That checks out in a big way. All of that to say, an orientation towards love and a deepening into love was a big and beautiful and gorgeous learning of last year and continuing to learn it now. Along with love and family learnings, I did some writing this year about how I don't owe my family a life that makes them happy and I actually owe that to myself and I'm allowed to have a life that makes my family uncomfortable and I didn't really know that before last year you know like I thought that but I didn't really know it know it in my body and it's scary to have a life that makes your family uncomfortable that makes them unhappy that they actively dislike that they hate that hurts them even and for me, it's worth it because it just has felt so clear through this last year that I can't be someone else for my family, for their joy, for their comfort, for their safety. That's dying and I want to live and it's really important to me to do that and that's what I'm here to do. So actually I owe myself a life that makes me happy and I want to hold their hands and tend to them and be with them through the pain of experiencing that I have a life that doesn't make them happy, but um, 
I'm not going to change that life or myself for them. And I think the last thing I'll share is learnings, deep learnings around queerness in the last year. I don't think sexuality is a choice, but if it was, I would choose my queerness all the way, a thousand percent, every time, every lifetime. But I do think that embodying queerness can be a choice, and I think that was a choice I made last year that was the most expansive, most incredible, best choice I've ever made in my life but was not easy and there was a lot of fear and a lot of programming to confront and a very real loss of privilege that I have felt but it has all been very worth it and very real and I think I have talked to a lot of people this year through my work who have felt like they were a little bit like teetering on the edge of a choice like that, a choice to embody their queerness or not, or orient towards their queerness or not, and my experience has been yes, 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 yes. And I think that is where I will leave it today with some of these learnings. Of course, life is so expansive and wide, and this is just like me talking for however many minutes it's been, like 20 minutes about last year, but it could truly fill hours <laughs> and days to talk about what the year was actually like. Um, so, I don't know. I hope that this felt helpful to engage with, and I'd love to hear some of your learnings from 2021, some of the things that cracked open for you, some of the things you felt, some of the versions of yourself that you were last year. If you feel like sharing, you can always message me on Instagram or send an email, erin, E-R-Y-N, at living-open.com. And I think, uh, I think we'll close this episode now and there will be an interview next Monday back to our regularly scheduled programming so definitely stay tuned for that and take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.